You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful Charles Prest, aka Noon Garden, a British Nigerian Jamaican multi instrumentalist and psych pop musician based in London. Noon Garden is an exotic psych pop odyssey project by Charles, drawing on familiar and otherworldly sounds from across the globe conjuring up grooves that meander their way through a wide spectrum of African disco, funk, exotica and psychedelia. Charles is a founding member of the international psych band Flamingods and in April this year released his debut solo album Beulah Spa. He talks through the album track by track discussing the many cultural and personal influences behind each song. So let's uncover Noon Garden's brilliant debut album Beulah Spa. So thanks so much for joining me this week on LP Uncovered, Charles Prest, a.k.a. Noon Garden. Hey, Charles, how's it going? Not too bad. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. We're literally just talking about the fact you've just come back from America, so kind of just about over the jet lag. But um, how was it? Were you doing recording out there? Yeah, I was just um, doing some, like, the next bunch of stuff uh, with my other project, Flamingos. Yeah, we're just uh, getting the next um, album ready. Just worked with uh, this producer that we just absolutely love and have loved for ages called uh, Ben Allen. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and he, he did stuff with Animal Collective and Deer Hunter, which are all like our favourite bands. So yeah. <laughs> we were there for just a month and it was uh, it was beautiful. It was a mixture of like a holiday and yeah, yeah, just getting to write music together, which was awesome. Oh, amazing. That's super exciting because that's, you went not long after, obviously, you released Beulah Spa. So that that's must it. be quite nice having a bit of time in the UK to release that and also just escaping for a little bit. Definitely. Yeah. Like the beginning of the year was pretty mad with uh, some Noon Garden stuff and yeah, bits of touring and everything. And so I literally just finished releasing the album and I had like two days or so to chill and then just oh, straight off but yeah, yeah. yeah it was quite exciting I've got to say huge congrats obviously on your debut solo album Beulah Spa such a oh, refreshing you. eclectic very vibrant record and trying to think of any more words to use but there's so many <laughs> um how was it going obviously collaborating from Fleming Gods to then on your own for this one like completely on your own yeah I found that they've kind of very very much influenced each other. I basically always had Noon Garden in the background of Flamingos. Like they've kind of just been uh, together, like side by side. But right. it's it's very much been this thing where we do like a Flamingos album, and then a bits of those ideas would like kind of filter into my stuff. And then whenever I came up with like a small idea uh, with Noon Garden stuff, it would like somehow like elements of those ideas would end up in Flamingos. So they've very much informed each other like over the last few years. Well, and obviously talking about it, it was very much a one-man band on this record. You single-handedly played every instrument and did all the vocals. <laughs> yeah. uh, how scary was it to put it out there when it's such an internal process? Because I presume not many people must have been telling you like, this sounds great or this, you know. So how was it then putting it out there? Well, it was, yeah, it was a bit, it was a, it was a bit strange because like the whole process of writing the album was very, very private just because I'm a bit of like a, 
not a, a private person, but like when it comes to music and stuff, it's a very like precious uh, thing. And especially with my own like kind of solo stuff, I, I, I didn't really show that many people beforehand. Like people had heard like bits and bobs, but I kind of had this whole thing that I wanted to just write an album that was just, that it, it just purely came from me basically. Um, yeah. And just kind of just put that out there and no matter kind of what, like anyone kind of thought it's it's kind of just me in my rawest form which yeah. is a, a bit scary because yeah like it's it's a hundred percent well like probably like 98 percent me <laughs> and so it's like yeah it's it's kind of just letting the world decide what they think of it which is it's fun and exciting <laughs> yeah did you play it to your family at all because obviously there's a lot of references and influences to your family and um and yeah your childhood did you play that to them before it was fully released or yeah, they heard. Um, yeah, they heard bits and bobs, and then I showed them the whole thing uh, just before the album came out. Uh, but but even then, I was like, I was petrified because I, again, it's it's such a personal, a personal thing that I was I was I was I was a little nervous, but um, thankfully they enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, obviously we'll go through track by track, but. When listening to the album, it seems to be very much all. Each track just flows from one to the next and seems to really continue. Mm. Um, at what point did you know you wanted to have that like flow from song to song? Well, I grew up listening to bands like the Mars Volta, who were like a lot of their albums just literally just have these little transitions that go from track to track. And mm. when I was like fifteen or whatever, that kind of blew my mind because it just gave it this very kind of cinematic experience where it just felt like just one long track and uh yeah I just I just kind of like that experience when listening to an album especially on headphones where it just flows from one another and kind of like is it still the same song like Mm -hmm. I'm not sure but like I don't mind (laughs) it's great (laughs) that's so true actually I love that I've been speaking to some artists and they say it's like that moment of putting on a vinyl putting on a cd with Spotify and things like that these days it's very much just like click through song but mm. with this album it does feel like a very immersive experience from like track one to track 10 and before we go through track by track always talk about the album artwork what can you tell me about oh, yeah. it obviously very vibrant very in keeping with the album itself yeah it was very much inspired by this Alice Coltrane album Ooh. called Teria Sings uh okay yeah, it's uh, it's quite rare to find, but it's it's probably one of my favorites of hers. And the album cover is actually <laughs> it's quite similar, but we kind of used it as like a reference point. And there was just something about it that was just quite alluring. Yeah, there was just something about it that was just like, oh, that's pretty sick. And yeah, nice. Who did you work with with the um like the design itself? Uh, so it was my friend Raymond Wong who did. Our Majesty Flamingo's cover as well. And he's like, I've just been a big fan of, of his work in general. He does a lot of uh, artwork for Total Refreshment Center in Delston. Yeah. And yeah, like we kind of worked on it for like a whole year, like um, over the pandemic. Oh, wow. Uh, just doing like just little bits and bobs here and there. But yeah, it's pretty fun. Well, to obviously go through the album, you start off with the title track, Beulah Spa. Um, so I read that this is, I didn't know it was the name of an area in London, which used to pass by on your local bus route to Brixton. And at what point did that become, or did you suddenly think that would be a real cool name for an album? Because you must have been going through that route a lot. Yeah. Um, so I basically just got this weird kind of obsession of just how words kind of sit with one another. Yeah. And 
just for some reason when I was just on the bus, I was just like, Beulah Spa, like, I just, what is that? Like, where is that? Like, what's going on there? And yeah, for some reason that just kind of just sat with me for like a while. I wasn't sure if it was actually going to be like the album title or anything, but then okay. at some point I was just like, I just had this image of my head of like, that's the perfect environment for where the music could sit. Like I could imagine the listener being at a spa and this is the kind of place where the music could live and kind of be enjoyed. And it's obviously the longest song on the album, like just over seven minutes. How did you, or did you always think that was going to be the first song on the album or were you a bit cautious about putting that song first? Yeah, well, it was originally, it was originally going to be the last song. I can't exactly remember how it all kind of came about, but at some point I was like, you know what, I might as well just kind of just set the scene, let the audience kind of just kind of just immerse themselves like within the song. And then a lot of the other songs after that are quite short. Yeah. So I just thought it would be like a good kind of experience just to let yes, everyone just down. settle in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like figure out what's going on, what kind of sounds to expect like for the rest of the album, figure out as they go along. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so forth. <laughs> and in comparison to the other songs, in what timeline did this one come in terms of writing? So I think a lot of these songs, you've kind of been mulling over them for like a long period of time. Mm. So this one was 2019. Wow. I remember. So still like a fair long time ago, but um, it was whilst we're on tour with Flamingos. I just had a bit of time. I'm over summer and I actually wrote the first half of it a long, long time ago, about like 2016. And I was just kind of just toying around with like what kind of sounds it was. And at one point it was going to be a Flamingos track. Oh, uh, wow, okay. Because we, yeah, we jammed it out a few times and it went in a few different directions, but basically couldn't figure it out. We just had that first uh, beginning part and it just ended up being kind of shelves um, for, for a bit. And then it was only in the summer of 2019, I just kind of pulled it back out. I was like, like I really want to do something with this track. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I can figure it out. And then somehow I just pieced together this sort of psych rock um, um, energy to it that I'd seen from like live shows and bands and stuff that it kind of was like the missing piece to the puzzle. Yeah, it's such a great opener for the album. Like I said, really, really sets the tone. Moving on to number two, Decca Divine, which again, I've read that it's apparently named after a popular recording studios in Nigeria. And mm. it's like a, a love letter to all the vibrant African disco and funky 70s and 80s. Uh, which artists specifically were your inspiration behind that one? Uh, it was kind of, it was artists like William Onibar, um, King Sadiade, and Lajada Sisters, and obviously like Fela Kuti. Like they all released music through uh, Decca Studios right? Um, and recorded there as well. And I I, can't, I was watching this Lajada Sisters uh, like documentary and interview on, on YouTube and, and then they just mentioned the word Decca. And again, like it just kind of just, it just set off like a, a thing in my head. I was like, I just love that word and just got to 
just kind of just implement it somehow like into the track and wow. yeah who introduced you to those kind of artists was it your parents friends or did you just discover them um it was kind of through flamingos we're always constantly listening to music and found a, a lot of, of african high life initially through uh these sandway records compilations that came out i think back in like 2014 around then possibly like like even earlier but that was like my first kind of gateway like into a, a lot of that kind of music and yeah i mean i'm still discovering new stuff there's there's just so much and yes yeah, constantly blowing my mind obviously before the flamingos growing up what kind of music did your parents introduce you to um well my dad was like listening to oh he listened to like all sorts but like it was uh it was like a lot of kind of like prog rock again like the mahavishnu um orchestra even like stuff like soul stuff like Tony Braxton and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Like my mom was always playing like Whitney Houston and stuff in the yeah. in the car. Um, my older brother, he's a proper like grunge rocker. So Ooh. he was like listening to lo- lots of Nirvana and Korn and stuff like that. So I had like a, quite a wide range of musical influences coming in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can definitely tell that from your music. So many different influences within the songs. more present on the third song Desiree such an eclectic mm. variety of sounds like obviously I know said that you played every instrument but I'd love for you to talk me through the instruments because there's some percussion on this I just love and yeah. yeah if you can remember exactly what instruments you played on this and there seems to be a lot yeah there was um uh I, I used this this instrument called the dahula for some of the percussion stuff that I got from when I was living in Dubai with my bandmate from Flamingo's Kamal. Uh, we just got it from like a, sh- a shop out there. And I basically came up with that track was being on the road. It was just one of those rare tracks that kind of just ended up writing itself. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're just to this moment where I just, I just felt like there had to be like some just super heavy percussion-y kind of bits coming in. And I was just... Yeah playing with the dahula and then I just started adding like a lot of like distortion and just little bits to it just to like kind of like chunk up the track in bits uh can't remember what else there was just a lot of like smaller little details I was just messing around with basically do you have a specific instrument that you normally tend to write songs on or does it vary so it's mainly guitar just because that's usually like the first thing I like pick up yeah but recently I've been just more of like a bass head recently. Like <laughs> I just love the bass so much. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just because I used it's it's funny because I just used to like not look down a bit, but as a kid I was like, oh man, like who wants to play bass? It's so boring. So like four strings <laughs> or whatever. But now I'm just like just so whatever about guitar. Like all I want to do is just play bass. So cool. new stuff now is definitely with bass. Also at the end of Desiree, that um there's like this wicked like audio news clip or something that you you've dragged in what's that specifically oh yeah so kind of around the same time I discovered uh Lee Hazelwood 
um, which I just absolutely love. Like I just love his voice and like the sound of uh, his songs basically like even the stuff he did with Nancy Sinatra mm-hmm. um and that song was very much inspired by uh, what's the song the genre called it's like western psychedelia I'm, right okay. I'm slightly getting it wrong but like he basically came came up with this kind of like side genre of sight which kind of very much inspired Desiree in the sense it's kind of about like someone just kind of like lost and trying to looking for answers basically and kind of Mm. calling out for someone for like help or guidance basically and a lot of his songs kind of have that kind of same sentiment he's got a track called see me through uh which has basically got that kind of same vibe and so i i I found this interview with him on youtube uh where he's basically just talking about um it's a whole bunch of stuff but the clip that i put in the song is actually him talking about how he came up with these boots were made for walking oh, yes, uh, okay. with Nancy Sinatra and it's him just basically just saying about how when he first wrote that song he just got kind of rinsed by his male and, and female friends because I guess that song is slightly about sex yeah like he basically got rinsed for it but then after a while everyone just started like just loving it and and stuff so yeah <laughs> oh, okay. oh that's really cool knowing because it always just really stands out within that song in particular so do you love pulling different things from different like sources of media because it sounds like like you said with the you might even just be going past a certain place and suddenly that brings inspiration do you normally just get inspiration from any any surroundings that's it it's kind of like this small like there's just small things that i would just pick up on and probably just keep in my back pocket yeah. for later like if if ever I just hear like a snippet from like an album or, or like a like a radio station, I, I usually just have my cool. phone like on, on voice record and I just oh, wow. like just record like a little small sn- snippets basically, and sometimes don't do anything with it. But <laughs> yeah, gosh, your phone must be just jam packed full of. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> yeah, it's so full. Of, you so them, much stuff. Or do you literally just untitled? I should be. I, I should be titling them because I, I just look through and it's just like just like voice note one, voice note two, and I yeah. just can't, have no idea what happened. <laughs> well, I'm gonna have to try and make sure I speak very eloquently because you never know I might get referenced. And yeah, in that's a song. it. <laughs> you, you never I should know. be in a way more vibrant room or something in the background that might provide inspiration. <laughs> I'm from Minehead, so that could be. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's where um that's where ATP happens, right? ATP is that, is that um the festivals. I swear they happened there. It's in the Butlins. Oh, okay. Randomly, but yes. ah, okay, got you. But yes. I've been down there like quite quite a few times for festivals. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, I can almost see the white tent from here. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't put it in a song, but I'm not sure it's probably worthy. But... It's definitely going to be an exception. <laughs> So number four on the album, Budea, uh, name of a town in Bahrain where you spent most of your childhood. And um, I read that you said that the song kind of came out of nowhere and wrote itself in a day. How does that vary from your usual writing? Do you normally 
spend much longer or yeah this song in particular seemed to come about really quickly yeah well it's like for most of my stuff it's it's usually as a seed of an idea and I sometimes even just mull around with it in my head first before putting like a super simple kind of like demo down and then I'll spend like ages just trying to like refine it and so on but I felt like after doing that for so long with so many tracks, like whilst writing the whole album that I kind of just wanted to write something just super simple. And this track just kind of came out of a Flamingos writing session that I was just doing with Kamal, uh, where we were just trying to just mess around with just simple chords. And yeah, I was, I was kind of just messing around with it and just ended up just having, I just wanted it just to have just three simple kind of like power chords basically. Yeah. Um, And I was also, doing guitar lessons at the time and so kind of wanted something really simple to show my students as well so oh that's cool um it kind of just ended up just writing itself and I was really conscious of just trying to keep it very simple on every level when it comes to the chords the vocals the drum parts and so forth um just like a fresh thing for me is that all guitar lessons like through covid and like over zoom and stuff yeah, yeah, I was, I was kind of just doing it, um, yeah, just over Zoom, and which was another reason why I wanted to have like simple chords, just because it's yeah. easier to teach <laughs> a little bit as well. But, have yeah. you been able to play many of these songs live yet? Yeah, I've, um, managed to do all of them now, except for oh, the for the last track. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been pretty good. What's that one like in particular to play like? Boudet. Uh, Boudet. Yeah, again, it's like a super chilled it's kind of got like a 90s feel to it which I'm kind of really into it's just yeah. super easy to uh to play and yeah people seem to enjoy it so it's kind of a win-win Talking of great songs, the fifth song on the album, Annapurna Guesthouse. And I love your lyrics throughout all the songs, but just the opening lines, the omen in my tulpa, cannon in my thunder, just really stands out. Um, what is the inspiration behind this one? Uh, so this track, well, I got the title from a place we stayed at in Nepal when oh. we went on a little kind of just like a getaway trip, uh, three of us from uh, Flamingos. Uh, and we stayed at a place called Annapurna Guest House. Oh, wow. um, and again, it's, it's just, it's three words that I just love. Like that, I, I just love how they just sit together. Yeah, the lyrics are kind of about that urge to travel and see new places. Yeah. Uh, very much through like a super surreal and, and psychedelic lens. It's oftentimes I'll write lyrics and then it usually takes me like a while to decipher them myself. Like I sometimes have this thing where I've got like, I've got like an, an initial incentive to write a lyric and then two years later it'll mean something completely different wow. to me, um, which I find interesting. So I kind of kept them purposefully kind of surreal, uh, mm. especially on this trip. And you mentioned traveling. Any highlights for you traveling from a musical perspective where you've performed? 
Uh, there's been quite a lot. I mean, I always give this as an example just because it was just so amazing. But we got to go to the Azores Islands, which uh, is kind of between Portugal and America. It's like this wow. super tiny island, but it's basically like it looks like Jurassic Park. Uh, they've got like these uh, dinosaurs. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it feels like it feels like, really? be, like loads, like loads of dinosaurs running about. But they've got these massive, like volcanic hot springs. Uh, yeah. Just like the most amazing, like seafood. Um, this like abandoned prison. It, it used to be like an island that the Portuguese used to send their prisoners to. Oh wow. Um, but that's just been like disbanded now and they've just got like this lovely community living there. But that was like a highlight just because it was such a wild place to... Was that with the Flamingos? Yeah, yeah. Wow, was that just a one-off show or were you there for like a period of time? Uh, we did We did a show and then we were meant to like fly back the next day, but we were just having so much fun that we just ended up staying for like an extra two days because it was just so good. <laughs> Any places that are like bucket list for you to go and perform? Um, oh god, there's there's literally so many, but I mean, with Noon Garden, I'd really like to just hit up the states properly and see like LA, New York, and yeah, like all those kind of places, like uh, for the first time. I've never been, uh, in Japan, Japan would be sweet, (laughs) yeah, yeah, too many to choose from, too many, way too many. Well, um, it merges really well and flows really nicely into Dud Day, which um, you wrote before COVID. Um, I love the title in itself. How is it reflecting on a song that you wrote so long ago and obviously now is probably taking on a different meaning for lots of different people? Mm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting with that one because it's kind of, uh, I guess it kind of came out like in the middle of COVID where everyone was essentially kind of having like dead days and mm. where there was not really much like going on but I was kind of writing it on a day when I didn't really have too much going on I, I remember clearly I was meant to be doing some work but I was, just, I was just a bit kind of despondent I just wanted just to write something and the track kind of again sort of just slowly started to write itself over like a period of time and the lyrics again were just kind of just reflecting on not necessarily like my despondency at the time, but it was just like a, like a, a feeling of just wanting to just get out of that situation and let my mind run, just being able to get, get back onto the road and see new places and basically not stay stuck in one place or I feel like I've just been st- stuck at home. Did someone say like the word dud day or was it just that you yourself reference it a lot and yeah do you know do you remember where that actual title came from uh well with a lot of my lyrics I've kind of found over the last few years at least that with my vocal melodies I usually I I come up with the melody and then I usually I usually have to like shape words out of the melodies if that makes sense like 
I'll sometimes do like a run of a track where I'm just chatting absolute gibberish, but like there'll be like a slight formation of a word and that will kind of, uh, I'll kind of write the lyrics based on the words that are kind of like born from <laughs> all my gibberish basically. And, and Dud Day was, uh, it was just two words again that sat together quite nicely mm-hmm. like, on my tongue and it just felt right. And that kind of informed like the rest of the lyrics. Yeah. Well, talking the lyrics, I specifically love the line, come tumble down the rabbit hole to see what you find. Mm. Very cool. Do you remember writing that one? Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's always quite difficult looking back at lyrics because mm. like, like at the time I like, I, I kind of wrote it just like just off the cuff kind of thing. But like, I, I, I think definitely now I can, I can see that it's, it's, it's very much about just continuing to go down a path. Like even if you're not sure, like, or a little bit scared of what you might find, yeah. uh, just to kind of have the courage or bravery or, or whatever to follow through. Cause you could be like pleasantly, surprised at what you could find which yeah I've kind of always lived my life like that whereas kind of there's always stuff that I'm like oh like I'm not sure how that's going to work or I'm going to be able to pull that off or, or whatever but I'm still just trying to go for it. lyrics to then to have that then next to Igel the seventh song on the album which is all instrumental well like wonderful sound effects and a real musical piece what was the process behind bringing all these sounds together because I'm sure there was a lot going on on that one yeah well I think when I was doing the track listing for the album I was just like I definitely want there to be like a kind of a like an intermission kind of track yeah, between the first half, which is quite, you know, upbeat and bright, and the second half, which is a little bit moody, I suppose, more like evening kind of vibes. Mm. Um, and so I, I kind of had this intention of it acting as like a kind of like a sound bath for your ears, where it's kind of just washing away everything that you've just heard. Yeah. That's um, yeah, I, I wrote that one whilst I was living in Dubai for a while with uh, Kamal, my bandmate. And I was just using a kalimba that he just had like lying around. Oh, what, sorry. Uh, a, kal- a kalimba. Right. It's kind of like uh, this African sort of, I don't want to say like a xylophone, but it's got some like metal prongs basically. Okay. And you can just play it with your hands. Um, and he had an electric one, which I'd uh, basically just hooked up to some uh, delay pedals and I was basically just messing around with it and just created all this kind of watery sounds with it. And how long did that song take to come together? Uh, it was pretty quick. I, I remember it was like maybe like a few hours. Um, oh, wow. I, really quick. Yeah, I just I, I came up with like a bed for like the background sounds. And then I just did a whole bunch of like 
experimenting with this the notes that were on the on the kalimba like it was it's quite uh, limiting which was in that sense it, it was quite good because i didn't really have too much to kind of work with i just had to make the most with what i had uh and yeah i just messed around for like four hours and then i just kind of just left it alone I'll be talking more about uh musical piece because obviously you finished the album with one but before mm. that obviously and number eight only kin um yeah when and how did this song come about uh so that is a good question i don't actually remember <laughs> back in remember. 2012 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought maybe maybe uh i think it was no no, no it was um i think the very beginning of the pandemic Right. Um, oh, again, I was I was kind of just messing around with some ideas, and I was very much inspired by the Somali funk and dance band called Dirda Band. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, they're just. I mean, they've been a huge influence on the on the whole album from like a vocal standpoint and just like instrumentation. And even though it doesn't sound a lot like their stuff there was just like an essence of their vocal melodies um in there that really kind of was in the back of my mind whilst I was writing it and yeah this one was particularly about family um from a lyrical standpoint yeah not like actively consciously writing a song about family but it kind of just um revealed itself to me that it, it wanted to be about family and basically taking care of well family members that I have that uh, have suffered from my like, illness and, and yeah. so forth yeah that was definitely in the back of my mind yeah and also a really personal one for you when I was listening it towards the end I kind of felt or noticed like a slightly like jazzy tail off to the end of it there's almost like, mm. I don't know if it's a saxophone whatever it is but yeah what instrument was that yeah so that was played by my good friend um, Alabaster de Plume oh right I've just recently started to listen to his stuff actually really cool yeah yeah like uh, I've just been a massive fan of his of his work for like a few years now and played with him a few times for some of his shows and he's just like the most like heartwarming generous person uh that I know like wow. that's doing music and yeah he was like very gracious to lay down some sax on the track and yeah he he very much like completed that track for me does link in really well with Villa quite a I've put sultry quite enchanting kind of feel to that one I read that you describe it as a voyeuristic look at two people making it a home together yeah. and the like and the relationship and dynamics around that what made you want to necessarily focus on that type of relationship within a song yeah well again it's uh 
it's always like quite interesting for me because none of it is ever planned but like basically how this track came about was i was uh on tour with flaming gods and uh we basically moved back to dubai after like a long tour just to find out that our flat had been given to someone else like whilst we were away and so we were essentially um homeless for like two months and we we're just like like we had work and stuff but we just had like nowhere to live and so we were basically just going from like place to place like living in these really weird kind of uh living conditions wow. and i started like writing the track within that time and a, a lot of the lyrics were about kind of like finding a home mm. or like being settled and, and so forth and then i can't exactly remember where the whole narrative of having two people live together exactly came from but it, it kind of got to this point where the instrumentation side of it very much was like creating the story in my head of like a couple or two people just trying to make something work together um and just the dynamics that kind of come with that like trying to make a home with someone like you can have your good times you can have your uh your bad and so forth and yeah how do you find trying to come up with songs when you obviously a lot of these you're touring with flamingos or working with flamingos do you literally just jot it down on your phone write it down yeah do you find that you can just you don't have to necessarily be in like a quiet place to be able to do this kind of stuff yeah it's kind of I'm, I've found that I'm the most inspired when I'm physically moving oh wow um a lot of the tracks that I come up with are usually when I'm in a van like going somewhere Mm-hmm. I, I, I really find that I write lyrics or like the easiest when I'm on a plane oh, wow. randomly, uh, basically just on the move. And so a lot of the times I'll have my phone with me and I'll just have like a very simple melody whilst I'm walking. Like I must look a bit strange, but I'm just having it to my phone. Um, and then depending on what kind of time I've got, I'll block out like a day or two yeah uh to just go deep and actually like properly like map out all the different parts and then spend a bit of time refining but so yeah it's it, it's usually like a lot of uh just jotting ideas down and not really coming to it for like a month or like a year sometimes wow so a treadmill in the house that won't save money on plane tickets oh maybe yeah I don't know <laughs> You'll probably just be like so bored by the end of it. You'll literally just be like, oh God, one foot for the other. Oh my God, I should definitely try to do that. Just see what happens. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> oh, and I think I like it now. And did you think I liked it then? I think I like it now. And did you think I liked it then? Final song, Blue Jerdab. Well, I read that you came up with it, Bahrain Airport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the name I got, it's basically the compound yes. that my parents uh, first moved into Yeah. Uh, when they first moved to Bahrain. And again, it's just two words I thought sounded really, really sweet together. And uh, the whole album uh, as a whole, I've kind of always pictured it as like a through line between 
my time in barring growing up as a kid to my life right now and just kind of reflecting back at it and not necessarily making peace with it, but just acknowledging that it's happened and like accepting all the different things that I've kind of got to experience and been through. And yeah, just having like that initial place where I was like essentially born or like, yeah, like the first place I was brought to in, in Boring just kind of felt like a nice way to kind of end the album. And yeah, that's the one track on the album where I just didn't touch it um, at oh, really? all. Yeah, it's probably the oldest track, whereas 2014, which is mad to think, but um, I yeah, I just didn't touch it. Is that a compound still there? I'd be very curious. I, I haven't been back to Bahrain in six years. Oh, wow. Um, it was there the last time I was there, but it's like they're constantly building stuff uh, there now. So it could have potentially been knocked down. I hope not, but... And then you can yeah. get a plaque outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And it definitely won't get knocked down. Yeah. Um, did you know you wanted to end on, obviously it's all instrumental and lots of, again, more sound effects. Did you know you wanted to end the album with that as well? Well, with a lot of this, it, it kind of went through a lot of different um, iterations where yeah. stuff kind of moved around and I had to really kind of see what flow worked best because, yeah, Beulah's Bar was actually meant to be the last track. Oh, yeah, you said that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think once I'd moved it to the first half, this, again, was one of those tracks where I felt like I really wanted to do something with it, but I, I wasn't sure if it was going to fit or anything. Yeah, it, it just kind of felt like this very euphoric way of just ending the album. It's it's slightly different to all the other tracks. And again, it, it kind of just resets you, Yeah, I think. Yeah, definitely. And as Alyssa, like I said at the beginning, just starting with Beulah Spa and then going all the way through, it's literally very much like a, a journey with all your different senses as well, with all the different instruments. So I hope that was desired effect because it, it certainly worked uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, some final, like, quick, fiery kind of questions from the album. Again, mm. some of these we've covered before. Uh, which song came together the quickest and which took the longest? So I think Badea definitely was the quickest. I mean, technically it was Blue Jodo because I had, like, an hour to, to write it. But, like, I, I feel like Badea just kind of wrote itself, yeah. uh, basically. Cool. And what, yeah, which took the longest? Oh, the longest was, mm, that's a good question. I, I'd say Beulah Spa, just because, yeah. yeah, I kind of came up with like the original first half, or like, like even the beginning, like intro, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went through a whole different thing with Flamingos and then back to Noongan again. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Do you have a favourite song off the album? Um, I'd say Beulah Spa just because it kind of stuck with me the most. I was, I, I do remember feeling really happy when I figured it out just because I'd been through so many 
yeah, so many different versions that I always felt like it summed up the album as a whole. Yeah, so cool. Uh, do you have a favourite lyric or particular song with favourite lyrics in it? There was a few in Annapurna Guesthouse that was... Uh, mm, yeah, jam-packed. You almost like... Yeah. Spit- so, yeah, the words in that one. Yeah, I, I mean... To be honest, um, Annapurna Guesthouse was another one where I was I was I was very kind of proud with because it, it wrote itself. It, it, it very much just un, un, unfolds itself, and I, mm. I I felt like I had no control of writing that. And by the end of it, I was just like, this is like very fun. So there was a yeah, there was definitely a few lyrics in there that I dug. Nice. Um, and which do you most enjoy playing live? Um, probably um, Annapurna Guesthouse. Nice. Because yeah, it just changes quite a bit and it kind of just keeps me on my toes it keeps like my band <laughs> I'm on its toes as well just because so many like different sections but <laughs> but yeah I do love that nice and so I do this final game at the end it's called what's the occasion and I give you three different occasions and you've got to pick one song for each occasion off the album to play <laughs> so okay. quite a weird mix so you've got a wedding could be a first dance could just be everyone's dancing a dinner party or a car road trip do i just choose one or Uh, or, one song for each occasion one one song for each okay uh my god okay (laughs) wedding oh god it's hard um (laughs) i'd probably play decca divine just because it's a bit um upbeat yeah nice. and I guess everyone wants to have like a good time so yeah. I'd probably I'd probably do that summer vibes as well if it's a summer outdoorsy kind of wedding mm-hmm. yeah you gotta, gotta have a good time you gotta have a good time dinner party dinner party oh god <laughs> <laughs> so it might be a talking piece with yeah. friends in the room <laughs> maybe I'll go with Beulah Spa mm. I, th- I think I can't exactly explain why, but <laughs> I, it, I feel like it would be like a good like kind of background track or something whilst the party's going on. Yeah, yeah, great one. <laughs> and car road trip. Car road trip. Uh, I'd probably go for Desiree just because it was very much inspired uh, by being on the road. It's Perfect. I haven't been in a car yet and listened to it, but I, I kind of wrote it to be that that kind of track where you're just driving down a long highway <laughs> great great well you did great you picked three great songs for three to good occasions as well um <laughs> what have you got coming up in the future um so got a few gigs coming up in just one in london i've got like a headline show at, right. at moth club cool uh, some summer dates as well and yeah just trying to get the next flamingo album kind of all yeah primed and ready very exciting. Yeah, which hopefully should be kind of out early next year, which would be sweet. Oh, wicked. Well, I'm very excited for that. And like I said, massive fan, love the album. Just oh, very you. excited as to what you've got going on next. And um, really, really appreciate your time because I'm sure you've got lots going on. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much. And it's been lovely to meet you, Charles. Oh, thank you so much. Like, uh, yeah, it's been it's been really sweet to do something like this. It's, it's, it's always interesting. Uh, looking back add like an album and probably going deep into it so i appreciate appreciate it oh no worries (laughs) well thank you so much